Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple, Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. Today is April 6th. It's Thursday night, the night that we commemorate Jesus' arrest uh, after he celebrated the Last Supper, the Passover, with his disciples. And I want to look at Isaiah chapter 53, focusing on verse 1, but then looking at it in its immediate context of chapter 52, 13 to 15, and then 53 verses uh, 1 through 3, and then look at just the question of how this term uh, message or report, the Greek version of it, akoe, is used in the New Testament. I want to see how, who it is that really does um, believe, and then um, who it is that doesn't, and, and how does belief come about? You know, how do we step into, into an active uh, faith in Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah? So let's look at the first verses, the last verses of chapter 52 of Isaiah. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Now, um, in John's gospel, we see that um, Jesus is described as being lifted up, and that is um, realized on the cross. It's uh, He talks about the Son of Man being lifted up, and, and this is, in John, it draws directly from Isaiah's um, fourth servant poem here. And um, verse 14, Just as many were astonished at you, so his appearance was marred more than any human. And um, often that's interpreted, the you here is interpreted as God's people Israel, who were in exile and who are being uh, identified as the servant of the Lord. And, um, you know, and in directly overt ways throughout Isaiah 40 through 55, you know, when the term servant occurs, it's almost always referring overtly to the people of God, you know, Israel. But in their stat status as um, as having been carried off into Babylon and and being prisoners and being blind and you know um, stuck in holes and oppressed and being slaves, so just as many were astonished at you, so his appearance was marred more than any human, and his form more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what had not been told them, they will see. And what they had not heard, they will understand. So um, here, this text is, I think, speaking prophetically um, of a time when kings, um, who, generally speaking in Scripture, are viewed as antagonists and hostile towards uh, towards God and, and God's people and the kingdom of God. Here they're described as eventually seeing and understanding. And um, But where do we see that, that seeing and understanding happen? You know, it looks like this is talking way into the future of, of something we haven't yet um, even witnessed. And, um, you know, in Revelation 21, 24, we do have a, a moment where, you know, when the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven to earth, it says the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And this seems somewhat hopeful for the kings of the earth, but elsewhere, you know, sort of between 
Isaiah 53 here and the end of the Bible, there's a lot of, um, of real um, negative talk about the kings. And we're going to look at some of that. Um, but, you know, what I want to understand is, it's just uh, who then are those that are viewed as embracing the message? And um, to whom has God's arm, which is uh, God's, you know, um, activist, you know, sort of uh, side of, of God, like it's it's through God's mighty right arm that Israel are, the people of God are, are freed from slavery in Egypt. Um, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Verse 2, for he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of people, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom people hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. So this is like a confession, isn't it, of, of, of the servant of the Lord who here is identified perhaps more as an individual. Um, and, um, you know, in this text was understood to be fulfilled finally in Jesus and, um, and is drawn from by New Testament writers to describe Jesus' crucifixion and his suffering. Um, so um, when we look at, at just the, you know, the, the, the today of, you know, of kings, um, you know, prior to this text actually being fulfilled, where kings will see, and um, and they'll shut, first of all they'll shut their mouth on account of him, um, and then um, that which had not been told them they will see, and that which they had not heard they will understand. Um, I think we can read this, safely read this as saying those who ally themselves, you know, with these um, with these kings, whoever they might be, you know, presidents, prime ministers, um, political parties. You know the powers that be um, will still be in this state of not seeing and not understanding, um, but perhaps there's hope because uh, eventually maybe the revelation will will come. But what occasions that final seeing and that understanding? And um, well, let's look briefly at just uh, at just how how this unfolds in the New Testament. Um, you know, we see that in the Gospels, this term akoi, which is used for message, in who has believed our message, it occurs in Matthew chapter 4, verse 24, where it's it's, uh, it's actually translated by the word news. The news, the akoi about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And so, you know, we see that um, it's actually the people on the margins, the poor, you know, those that are suffering from pains and diseases and evil spirits, they're the ones that, you know, that actually come to Jesus and uh, the news reaches their ears. Um, we have this in Mark 1, 28. Immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding districts, the district of Galilee. But then we have... Um, you know, this scripture in John chapter 12, verse 38, 
where um, actually just prior to that, let's read verse 37. You know, we have people not believing. Um, and and so um, let's see what it says in John 12, you know, just prior to this verse. It says, um, so Jesus is, um, you know, is he's having to take off because he's being persecuted. Um, it says Jesus, uh, he went away and he hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. Okay, now he's talking about, I think, a lot of the, you know, the Jewish religious leaders. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So, um, obviously, they hadn't believed in the report. Okay, and, um, but who had? And that, that question isn't answered here. But um, it goes on in verse 39, for this reason, they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, he's blinded their eyes and he's hardened their hearts so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and I would heal them. And um, these things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. Um, and then it goes on to say, nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they'd be put out of the synagogues. For they loved the approval of people rather than the approval of God. Um, so anyway, so here we have Isaiah 53 being brought into, um, you know, together with Isaiah chapter 6, where right after the prophet Isaiah has had a revelation in the temple where he's gone in as, an, uh, as a priest, who was had to be clean and ceremonially purified in order to go into the temple, experienced a revelation of the Lord, seeing the Lord high and lifted up on a throne and his train filled the temple. And, and you know, he saw himself as, um, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, among a people of unclean lips, for I've seen the Lord of hosts. And then, um, so he confesses his lostness, and that's when, um, some seraphim come with, um, and they take with tongs a coal from the altar, and they bring it, and they, and they touch his lips, and they say, you know, your sins are forgiven, and then, um, and then, then God says, go and tell this people. Well, He says, first of all, who will go for us? And uh, and Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And so He said, go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and return and be healed. So this is a message of judgment. This is a, a, a message that is directly addressing uh, pre-exilic um, Judah you know, the people of God who had, had, had really uh, fallen into idolatry and into all kinds of social injustice. And, you know, in, in the first five chapters of, of Isaiah, the prophet, you know, speaks strong prophetic words against the people and warns them. And, um, you know, but here this message is, is, is God is, is giving a message that, it, that, it, that God is already saying is not going to be understood or seen or heard. And, um, 
And then I, the prophet Isaiah says, how long, Lord, how long? And he answered, until cities are devastated and without inhabitant, houses are without people, and the land is utterly desolate. So here we have this, um, you know, this uh, important, you know, sort of uh, word that um, that Isaiah is, you know, tells us that really that um, the the eyes being closed and the ears being closed is is gonna is gonna be prolonged all the way until the point of of of, of the people of God bottoming out and um, through, you know, through exile through. Jerusalem being destroyed through the temple being destroyed for the people being carried off into exile and and this notion of of God's people having to really hit bottom in order to be open to the message you know to the report to the word to the um the revelation is a message that I think is still true today um I just came from being 3 weeks away in Africa where um, I we did three um, certificates in transformational ministry at the margins: one in Zambia, one in a, a really impoverished, war-torn, gang-ridden, um, you know, community in called Manenberg near Cape Town, and then another in uh, on the island of Mauritius in a really complex, uh, difficult uh, place that's extremely beautiful, but um, really hard place to bear witness due to the just incredible diversity of up uh, 60% of the people being Hindu and and a large percentage of Muslims and just many secular European tourists and, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, a hard environment to bear witness, uh, you know, for the Christians with whom I was ministering. But everywhere I went, I found um, the groups that I, I was ministering to so humble and so open, but they were all people that didn't have power and didn't have any hope of ever being, um, having the powers, having, you know, having governmental people, kings, presidents, whatever, um, you know, representing them. These were people that um, saw themselves, probably rightly so, as uh, on the margins, you know, for, for good. And um, But they were, um, you know, they weren't complaining about that. They were just um, humble and open and and just uh, and just very much sort of embracing their their status and um, but not being passive about it but being you know um, be, being hungry for um, you know for the word of God and receiving it you know openly and and believing very easily much easier much easier than than it is to kind of see belief you know become awakened here in North America which which I felt upon returning. I feel this huge distance between the global South, you know, um, ministering in places like that and just the environment that seems hostile towards, you know, towards authentic faith here in, you know, North America, um, apart from the people that, that I, Gracie and I get to minister among, you know, our own people who are themselves people that have been through a lot of devastation of prison and addiction and homelessness. And so, um, you know, we're in an environment where uh, um, I can answer the question, who will believe our message? Because um, there's people all around us that are believing it, and it's encouraging. But um, returning back to just Isaiah, you know, chapter 
52, 13 to 15, where it talks about the kings uh, shutting their mouths finally uh, before the revelation because what hadn't been told them, um, they're seeing finally, and what, um, and, and, you know, and, and so there's revelation that finally does come, but, but look, that hasn't come yet in our own time. And um, anyone who's allying ourselves, you know, with the kings of our age who are thinking that power um, can be, you know, be marshaled for our causes and that we can win um, and that our, our side, our party, our nation, um, you know, deserves our allegiance so that we can actually, um, you know, bring about, you know, sort of a, a, a better society. And um, those of us that throw our lot into, in that direction of the kings, I think are going to be stuck in this place where we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be perceiving it. Uh, what we need to perceive, we're not going to be um, believing the report. And here I think uh, Paul states this in a way in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. He says, um, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. Okay, so the wisdom that um, that is being described here in Isaiah 53, you know, the revelation of the servant of the Lord who is despised and rejected of people, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, who, who we don't esteem, um, you know, um, We may well, very well esteem him. We we have this opportunity to esteem him, but the rulers of this age who are passing away aren't going to recognize him. And any of us that are allied with the rulers of that of this world, of this age, we're not going to recognize him. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. This is verse 7. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Okay, so this is a hidden wisdom that we have access to that God predestined before the ages, um, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. Okay, none of the rulers, none. And now here Paul is talking about um, an age much later than Isaiah um, 53. You know, he's talking about the first century. Uh, and he's saying that none of the rulers understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So um, Jesus came in as God's saving agent, you know, God's son, the savior of the world. He came in under the radar and, and um, because the rulers couldn't recognize him, they, they didn't see, they didn't hear, they, they, they weren't able to even, um, I guess, resist uh, Jesus's means by which he, he overthrew them and has overcome the powers um, that are finally most, um, I guess, realized in death itself, that the ultimate sanction that the powers has. Here we're celebrating, we're moving towards um, celebration of, of the resurrection, of Jesus's resurrection from the dead, which is is really the 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 beginning of the end of of the of the kings and the rulers of this age who have been defeated by the King of Kings by Jesus. So um, let's look now at um, an issue that um, I just want us to address. Um, 
you know, we have this, um, in, back in 2006, um, a New Testament scholar named John Dominic Crossan and another named Marcus Borg, they published a book called The Last Week. And in this book, it, it begins with this unforgettable image. And um, I quote, two processions entered Jerusalem on a spring day in the year 30. One was a peasant procession, the other an imperial procession. From the east, Jesus rode a donkey down the Mount of Olives, cheered by his followers. On the opposite side of the city from the west, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Idumea, Judea and Samaria, entered Jerusalem at the head of a column of imperial cavalry and soldiers. So Jesus' procession proclaimed the kingdom of God. Pilate's proclaimed the power of empire. Now, um, these two processions, most of the, probably there were very few of any uh, subjects, Jewish subjects, you know, of the Roman Empire that would have celebrated Pilate's, you know, procession coming into the city of Jerusalem from the west side. Okay, um, there, there were people that were uh, crying out Hosanna in the highest before Jesus as he came in on his donkey. Okay, but sadly, things shifted very quickly and we see that, um, that the religious um, leaders of God's people actually were the ones who fully embraced Pilate and um, in a way co-opted him. He's described as being, uh, you know, as being aggressively pursued to help them do away with, um, you know, with Jesus who was identified, identified himself as the King of the Jews. And, um, and so it's really God's people who are allied with the kings of this earth who, who end up being, um, you know, being the ones, um, you know, who, who, you know, bring about Jesus's end, which also is their own defeat. So let's look uh, at some examples of how the Jewish relig religious leaders actually ended up um, pursuing, you know, uh, Pilate's help. And, um, you know, we see that the Jewish religious leaders, um, the chief priests, with the elders and the scribes and the whole council, this is Mark 15, 1 through 2, they immediately held a consultation and binding Jesus, they led him away and they delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate questioned him, are you the king of the Jews? And he responded, it is as you say. So here we see Mark's gospel um, is, is really... Uh, showing that it's the Jewish religious leaders who had um, allied themselves really with the kings of this earth who, you know, who are part of the anti, you know, anti-kingdom of God, anti-Jesus movement. And um, in John's gospel, Jesus makes it clear when Pilate speaks to him um, about the nature of his kingdom. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. That's John 18, verse 36. And then he goes on to say to Pilate, you say correctly that I am a king, and for that um, I was born. And so Jesus is identifying himself as a king, but of another realm. And, um, you know, this, this 
distinction between, you know, the Jewish religious leaders who are attaching themselves to earthly power, and then Jesus, who is clearly a king, but a king who's going to the cross and who isn't calling on um, his followers to defend him. You know, um, this distinction, I think, is is one that we we really need to emphasize today. And, um, and we need to be fully um, bought into this notion that um, when we're, um, when we call ourselves Christians, we're really about an alternative a, a, that is different from, you know, from embracing partisan politics and, um, you know, the ways of this world that would, you know, seek to exert, exert power and influence through, you know, through fighting, through, through killing. Um, you know, we're talking about another way, and we're going to be blind to the way of Jesus um, if we remain attached, you know, to the kings, to the, you know, the the, the rulers of our of our of our time. Pilate himself wanted to release Jesus, and um, in John nineteen twelve, um, the Jewish religious leaders are quoted as saying, "If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar's." Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Um, you know, we see that um, throughout the Gospels, um, we're warned over and over again that, um, you know, that the, the powers cannot be trusted. You know, um, the powers of this world are, um, Jesus says in Mark thirteen nine, be on your guard. For they will deliver you to the courts, and you'll be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. Um, Luke 21, 12. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and the prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. Um, Jesus identifies these kings as in a negative way. Luke twenty two twenty five. The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it shall not be that way among you, he says. He goes on to say. Um, Acts chapter four verse twenty six. You know the uh, Peter in his sermon, he describes. Um, you know he quotes Psalm two how the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. And he cites this to, um, to show how, you know, how Pilate and um, Herod and the Jewish religious leaders joined together to oppose um, God's Messiah. And, um, you know, we see that um, God says to Paul in Acts 9.15, um, he says to Ananias, go, um, you know, go to Paul and pray for him, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. So God doesn't give up on on the kings and the Gentiles at all, but, um, you know, but we know that, um, you know, that, that the kings are antagonists. So Acts 12.1, now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And, um, you know, we see all through Acts and in Paul's writings, this same notion of the kings being hostile. Um, so let's let's just look a little bit more closely at um, at just how 
how kings are described in the book of Revelation. Um, you know, we see Revelation 6.15, that how the kings of the earth and the great men and the, the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And that's they're hiding themselves from the lamb. Okay, the lamb who's been slain. You know, um, you know, we see um, in Revelation 16 how um, the spirits of the demons were performing signs uh, which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. And uh, Revelation 17, 2, the kings of the earth are described as committing acts of immorality. And those who dwell on the earth uh, were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. That is the, the woman who's described as riding on the beast. Um, you know, the, the ten horns um, that are on this beast um, are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. And um, Revelation 18, describing Babylon, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. So, you know, this is really super negative um, you know, information about kings. Revelation 18.9, And the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensuously with her will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning. And then finally, Revelation 19.19, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. That's talking about war against Jesus when he returns. And... um you know, so I think allying ourselves with the kings of the earth is 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 definitely, you know, uh, something that we don't want to do. And um, those that, um, these kings and those of us who ally ourselves with the powers, you know, with the, the rulers, you know, we're going to, we're going to miss out. And um, so now let's look at how we can be engaging with, um, you know, like embracing the news and being among those who embrace um, the report. Um, I love this uh, scripture from Romans, you know, chapter 10. Um, it talks about, um, you know, how, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How then um, will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they're sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. There's the word akoi. Um, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And uh, this notion of faith, you know, coming about through hearing is present elsewhere in Paul's writing. So Galatians 3, 2. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing from faith? Okay, this is the same term, akoi, you know, the report. And um, Galatians 3, 5. So then, does he who provide you with the Spirit and works miracles among you 
do it by the works of the law or by the hearing or by hearing with faith so um once again it's 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 through um, our ears through hearing the report that faith is awakened but um, that's an event and I think um, you know being in a place where we've been broken you know um, where we've been there in the rubble of the cities that lie um, devastated and without inhabitant you know um, which uh, so many of our, our people in the global south have, have been through that kind of suffering and, and so many people in our prison system and on the streets of our cities and um, you know people coming out of addiction and inactive addiction you know people who are struggling with mental health illnesses and other physical problems um, you know anyone who's really been through hardship and failure um, you know there's a more of an openness on the part of people to um, like a, a need to believe uh, because, uh, you know, to believe in God and to believe in the, in the message of the good news of, of Jesus because there's, there's nothing else to hope in, nothing else that, that even comes close to offering, um, you know, offering a, a way forward. Um, First, Corinthians, First Thessalonians 2, 13, For this reason we also constantly thank God, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs, performs its work in you who believe. So here, um, Paul is, is, is really lifting up the messenger. Um, I mean, he himself is, is the messenger, and, and he's affirming that people were believing um, the word that they were expressing as uh, not just their word, but as a, as a word of God. Um, Hebrews 4, 2, For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, but it was not united, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. So faith is um, an active part that, um, that, that needs to be there. And I think um, once again, when we're, um, you know, when we're cut off from the this, the powers and um, attaching ourselves to the kings of this world and the powers um, and principalities, I think we're much more uh, able to to be free to receive and to believe. So let's just look at um, one more, a couple more verses here. Um, I mean, I think um, I just want to go back to, you know, to the question in that we began with, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Um, I think that those that have believed are, are, are those who, you know, who are able to, um, I guess, receive from someone who is despised and rejected who um, himself has, you know, has gone through, you know, the, the devastation and experienced the judgment. And what we see in Jesus is God himself coming as a human and submitting to the judgment, you know, to, um, to the cross, to, um, you know, being executed. And, um, and it's that, um, you know, that humble, 
suffering one, I think, um, who those who have been devastated and been um, broken can, um, you know, can approach with greater ease than um, than if we if we've been in denial of that, you know, that part of, of ourselves and of that part of our world. Um, and so may we this, um, this Holy Week just have ears to hear and eyes to, to see, um, you know, this, um, the revelation of God that is so total as, um, as it is in, in Jesus's uh, cross and his suffering on our behalf. So God bless you.